listening to Unfiltered with Muhammad Uncut, a podcast about personal growth and authentic leadership. If you're looking for tips on how to manage others, get ahead, and make your way up the corporate ladder, this is not the show for you. This podcast is about being of service to others, leading from the heart, and evolving into a better version of yourself. Each episode brings you motivated stories about unfiltered leadership and authentic leaders, those who involve others, use their influence to amplify diverse perspectives, and inspire teams to achieve collective results. If this sounds like you, keep listening. Welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast. Unfiltered is the podcast for leaders who involve others, use their influence to help them rise and inspire them to become better versions of themselves. The Unfiltered Podcast showcases leaders who lead from the heart to make a positive change. I welcome my guest today, Jacqueline Ruiz, an unfiltered leader who is making a change and an impact with everyone she works with. Welcome to the podcast, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. What an honor to be here. Let's it's an honor to have this. you. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, right. Share with us. Who's Jacqueline Ruiz? <laughs> well, you know what? I, um, I think the best way to describe me is that uh, oh, at the core of everything I do is service. So I would describe myself as a servant leader that dedicates her life to elevating other people intentionally. And you see, when I was, when I was 40 years old, I started reading. And uh, really shortly after, I started getting exposed to amazing books that my mom had no idea that it was going to set me on a path of becoming an experiment for, for personal development. I was devouring books from Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, Dale, you know, Ogmandino, Zig Ziglar, things that, you know, it's like, what are these things, you know, the concept of the mastermind and all these things. And, um, but nevertheless, even though I didn't understand what was going on, I wanted to apply those things. I said, well, if it worked for them, and they're not very direct things, you know, because they were talking about, you know, how you will achieve your dreams in proportion of how many people you help achieve their dreams. So my early definition of my mission in life came from those books, came from being, you know, falling in love with the concept of being a dream catcher for other people and living that, you know, because it's intentional, right? It's like you go out of your way to elevate other people. And, um, and that's what I do at the core. I just happen to do it through books, speaking, you know, a marketing agency, a publishing house, flying planes, um, you know, but all goes back to the core. So, And the core is to be that dream catcher, the person who catches the dreams and gives it to others. This is what you're doing every day. You do that as an individual person with your interactions. You do that as an author. You've done that as flying and we're going to get into that in a minute you've done that as a ceo of two successful companies and you know you know quite a bit about leadership what prompted you what gave you the desire to want to become a ceo and, and to actually establish really two successful organizations you know what i think that uh you know those early interventions of those amazing books and that literature basically like created something inside of me that you know kind of awakened something that I had 
you know, I've always dreamed to be an entrepreneur in the land of dreams. And when I came to the States when I was 14 years old, and I didn't speak a word of English when I came, I knew that my first mission was to be bilingual, become bilingual, because if I could understand what people were saying, then I can help them achieve their dreams and continue my journey, you know, um, here in this country. And, you know, my biggest dream was that. My biggest dream was to be an entrepreneur. I, I didn't know what type of business, I didn't know when or how, but I knew the why. And the why was it'll allow me to get to more people. And I think coupled with the curiosity that I've always had, always wondering how things are built and created, and coupled with the fact that I just needed to help people and, you know, basically encapsulate my value in the context of serving and helping other people, that kind of became my mission. So those three things, three ingredients sort of, you know, created the, you know, the perfect combination to start a company when I was 23. Wow. Here in the States. So. <laughs> and, you know, as, as you speak, you remind me of Simon Sinek's why. And, you know, something that I think about often is we can get caught up in the what and we can get bogged down in, in the how, right? Because then we start planning and we can never execute. But the why, it sits here. The why is in our heart. The why is what propels us to move forward, to get into a plane, to, to fly across the ocean, right? That why is at the basis of everything that we do. Now, when you speak and your energy and your enthusiasm and your incredibly, you know, your, your incredible smile that lights up a room, you make it sound easy, Jacqueline. You make it sound like you've had an easy life. But I don't think that's the case. You came here when you were 14. You had to learn the language, and I know how difficult that can be in a new land. I'm sure you experienced a bit of racism. You probably still do in the United States or anywhere in the world there's racism, but you probably had a battle. I don't think life was really a silver platter that somebody handed to you. Can you share with us some of your challenges? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the first one was looking different, you know, and, and not being able to speak the language. That was really difficult. Um, and at some point I felt like I was never going to learn the language because every time I learned a new rule in English, it would change oh, yeah. in the next sentence. Yeah. So I'm like, wait a minute, didn't I just learn that last week? And, and I think, you know, um, my mom was instrumental in that as well. Not only did she have all these amazing books that shaped my mindset from early on, but she would always kind of be the kind of my cheerleader and sort of my objective you know, mind and saying, you know what, if you are thinking and dreaming in English, this means that you're becoming bilingual. So that kind of gave me the confidence to overcome some of those difficult things. And, and the fact that I didn't have the nice, you know, fancy clothes that the other kids have. I didn't have a car, you know, when everybody else was driving a car, right? Um, so it was always like, I was always lagging from what anybody else was doing around me. And, um, and that was, you know, that kind of weighs heavy on you. And a lot of times you're your own critic, you know, you're your own discriminator, right, in a way. And um, so a lot of this is fighting with your emotions, fighting with your mindset, um, you know, getting into the world of aviation too. For example, I didn't see a lot of people that look like me. There were a lot of, you know, older Caucasian CEOs and, you know, people that were retiring into flying. And it was like, always trying to find, you know, what is my 
in the context of what I'm doing, what is the value that I bring within that context. And I think that helped me overcome a lot of those difficult situations where I wasn't the most popular, I wasn't the most, you know, the, the most well-known or, or whatever the case might be, but I always kind of worked from a foundation of what is it that I am, you know, self-managing and becoming self-aware of the value that I bring because that shines through everything regardless of how you look like. And that's what I discovered. And um, so I, you know, I enter into any situation with value. I lead with value. And by the way, I'm Latina, I'm young, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a mom, you know, and all these other adjectives. But uh, first and foremost, I'm there as a, as a value proposition to anyone that I encounter. Values define how we govern ourselves and how we get things done. And if we don't have a core set of values that others can see in us, then it's not transparent, right? People don't know what to expect. But when they can see your values, when they can see what you stand for, they're going to understand who they're working with, why they want to work with you. So, I, you know, this really resonates with me. And then as you speak, I, you know, I, I, it's good to remind people that when this airs, when this interview is going to air, I'm going to be foc foc uh, focusing on, um, you know, female leadership, women in leadership positions. You're, you know, this is going to be one of the interviews that we're going to, to share with our listeners. But also, it's going to coincide with uh, Hispanic Month. Right, so the, the celebration of Hispanic Month in the United States. So, and I know that this is really dear to your heart, not just because you are a Latina, this is you know, part of who you are, what you self-identify, but the people that you help, the people that you inspire mm -hmm. are also people that are like you. Now, your message is universal, you know, without a, without a doubt, but you've chosen to focus on helping Latino girls. Can you tell us a bit about that and why? I think, you know, it, it goes along uh, with, the, with the idea of being authentic to yourself, right? We know that there are a lot of causes in the world, a lot of, you know, themes that become engraved in our hearts that we live for and we support. And, um, and I think there's a lot of value in choosing that pathway. For me, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to the moon right now, and if I have to put a flag of what I stand for, one of the biggest flags is going to be for young Latinas that, um, you know, represent what I was when I came to this country and represent, you know, what I was craving when I was their age, you know, with mentorship and all that. And what I have found is that um, as, a, as a leader, I'm able to sort of do the cross-reference, you know, from the mainstream that I've been working for such a long time and so many years to now leading and, and really creating a spotlight on the, on the Latino community. So um, it has been probably one of the most um, rewarding and beautiful missions of my life. And I've discovered that the more that I do it, the more that the mission chooses me. Um, so over the last six years, we've uh, operated a foundation that supports young Latinas ages 12 to 25. So that has been one, you know, very impactful journey that I've taken on. And I always say I have 157 daughters on top of my two children. And, um, and then alongside with that and sort of, uh, you know, like a juxtaposition, but then, you know, sort of a fusion as at the same time, I've um, elevated um, close to probably now close to 400 women of all ages to become authors that happen to be wow. Latinas. 
Um, it is the between my series of Today's Inspired Latina, Today's Inspired Young Latina, and Latinas in Aviation. Um, I've amassed the largest collection of Latina stories in a book anthology series. And to me, when you were not thinking about that and when you literally, you know, led with your heart and you embrace that mission that was coming to you and like opportunity after opportunity that you know, people were seeing that you were leading with your heart and doing with doing this um and then you find yourself you know in the middle of all this and you think what's next right so the mission continues more people have come into the fold and said I want to be part of that mission. I want to be part of your magic. I want to be part of whatever you're doing in Europe and, you know, the Middle East and in South America and Mexico, here in the States and Canada. I want to be part of that. I want to be the extension of your wings, Jackie. And that to me is the greatest compliment that anyone can give you. That you had a divine download, you executed it, and people were witnessing that. And now they say, I want to be part of that. And I have so many of those micro moments of so many people coming and unifying that and that's why it's become so big you know and i'm, I'm very so excited inspirational so <laughs> inspirational and you know i i can tell you have so much inspiration from your mother you, you've already in this interview referenced how important she was and instrumental in inspiring you and again i'm not a, a person of a latin background i'm not female i it I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to be a Latina in the United States, growing up, trying to find the identity, battling racism and discrimination, trying to define who we are in a land that we believe is ours, but at the same time, we're constantly reminded it's not ours, right? I have a similar story as a Muslim growing up in Canada, but I'm not a woman growing up in the United States who's not white. You bring that story, you personalize it, you you show where you've been and you show where you're going and you've brought people, like you said, people are riding on the wings of your inspiration. And I see that you have that from your mother and your belief in servant leadership. Can you kind of unpack that for me? How instrumental was your mother and how did that help you define how you can be of service to others? You know what, when I was working on my memoir, uh, I was 31 years old and an organization purchased 200 copies of a book that didn't exist. This was my third book. And so I got to get, I had to get working on this, right? Because I had delivered 200 copies before my big keynote to 500 college admissions counselors. And um, as I was preparing for this, um, you know, book and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time interviewing my mother, finding out, you know, a little bit about my journey. And uh, what I discovered was completely shocking. And I think uh, explains a lot of the reasons why my mom, I was like the apple, you know, the, the apple of the eyes of my mom, because um, apparently in this journey that I discovered, she had lost uh, two children before me, before I was born. And, and I could never explain why my brothers, my two brothers were seven and 11 years older than I was. And I was the only girl, the youngest, and as I was interviewing her, I found out that um, she had lost two babies in the pursuit of having a little girl. And then she actually ended up losing a baby after I was born. So she would always see me as this, you know, fighter. She's like, you have been fighting before, since before you were born. 
and you know when she lost those two babies um she had um with me she had found a doctor that was super innovative in mexico city that took care of my mom during the pregnancy and after i was born with the umbilical cord around my neck i mean i'm finding all these details i'm like oh my god it's like i've been fighting right and um she you know was pregnant after two years after she had me and went to find the same doctor found out that the doctor had died in a tragic accident and she lost that baby and um you know it, it just gives me shivers to think that my mom went through all that and she was just so like determined to have a little girl and now but she was thinking that i was going to be this like you know little girl with little pigtails and sitting on her chair and just you know because my brothers were very rambunctious um little did she know that i was going to basically blow her out of the water and i was had more energy than them combined <laughs> the whole family um but you know all these things and how instrumental she was in first of all you know like I was welcomed into this loving environment, loving family. And uh, I was always with my mother, any, any events that we went to and very positive, you know, she was always looking forward and always making magic happen. Um, and on top of that, she had all these incredible books around me, um, you know, getting exposed to that early on. I mean, just positivity, amazing literature, you know, getting exposed to the Encyclopedia Britannica and learning all those things since I was a little girl. I remember those. Almost being like babysat by some of these like, you know, amazing authors, you know, that I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I didn't know what they were even talking about. And then coupled with the fact that I was always exposed to amazing events and stuff with my mom. Um, and then she just, you know, on top of that, you know, supporting me, hey, yeah, I believe in you, you're, you're blessed, you're, you know, like you're going to achieve amazing things. I mean, so hearing that, it's like, it, it can only create magic, right? And it, it only gives you that confidence. And even when I came to my mom and I said, mom, I'm, I'm having a kind of a weird, you know, I'm dreaming and thinking in English now. And she says, that means you're bilingual. That's like the cornerstone of... I didn't feel bilingual. I didn't feel like, you know, but sometimes it goes to show that sometimes you need those amazing angels in your life that give you objectivity because a lot of times it's so easy to lose track of what you've achieved. And I think, you know, now I understand it through aviation because I always say, you know, I zoom in, you know, to prepare the aircraft on the ground, absorb any risk. And then I zoom out. So I can see from far away and I can see the perspective. I can see objectivity, right? And I can see where that's going to lead me. And I, I take that philosophy every day. I'm zooming in and I'm zooming out, you know? Um, but I got a lot of that from my mother and I got a lot of that from the amazing experience that I, I was exposed to as a little girl. So. And Jackie, in a moment, I want to come back because I want to ask you how you transfer that to the people that you work with and that inspire you to, to give back and to serve. But you mentioned about, you came into this world as a fighter. Your mom fought for you. Your mom is a fighter. You continue to be a fighter. You're a cancer survivor. I hate the C word. I hate saying cancer, but it's a reality a lot of us live with and struggle with, but you beat it. You're a fighter. So first of all, Congratulations to you and God bless. Thank you. But can you tell me 
when you talk about zooming in, zooming out, and the energy that you bring to everything that you do, and being the exceptional mother that you are, the exceptional Icha, I'm sure. But how did cancer give you that perspective? You know what, when you see yourself um, in the fine line between life and death, um, you, um, two things that awakened inside of me, and that was, uh, one is the sense of urgency to, to serve, to transcend, to create a legacy. And second is this idea, this notion of yearning and, and really encapsulating that micro moment and every micro moment that you can. Um, but to me, seeing myself and, and feeling, most importantly, feeling the vulnerability, you know, and being, uh, I, I still remember a moment that just changed my life. I mean, I was, you know, in a hospital bed. I was connected to every tube that you can think of. And I heard, I mean, I kind of saw my body on the bed, right? And I, um, I heard, uh, she's awake now, she's awake, right? So the doctor comes over and says, um, you basically are very lucky to be alive. You know, um, what we had to do when we found this, you know, precancer level four by your liver, we had to reconstruct your entire digestive system. So we have three options here. You might die over the next two weeks because this new digestive system doesn't work. You, we might have to install a tube to feed you for the rest of your life because we haven't done this surgery. It's not very common here in the States. And third, you might be okay. I looked at him. I said, doctor, thank you so much. I choose option three and I need to get up by next Thursday. I have finals and I'm graduating with honors. And uh, he was walking away. He looked at me and smiled and said, your positive attitude saved you. People didn't know that I was, even after that surgery, was fighting for my life. And I showed up to my exams with a tube that was coming out, you know, this new digestive system that was connected to my liver with a bag hanging, hanging outside of my body. And um, I put a long jacket on. I went and did my exams, my finals. And um, people had no idea that I had I was still at that point fighting for my life. And, um, and I think that when you see the prospect of something being taken away from you, this is when you yearn that thing. I started yearning, you know, having a sip of coffee. I started yearning hugs. I started yearning um, things that we sometimes take for granted, you know. And, um, and, you know, it's like, but every moment, you know, when I was 21, I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 23, and I went through that major surgery when I was 12, and I had, uh, somebody had, um, you know, created a fire in our home in Mexico, and, you know, all my books, you know, 80% of the books were gone. That was another moment, and, and then just recently, I had another one of those moments of that test, you know, this mindset, and, and I feel that every single time that I'm faced with that, my pathway is always life and it's always extemporaneous, you know, decisions that lead to life. Um, I was recently, you know, as a pilot, I was recently in a situation that um, I don't wish on anyone. 
um, I was um, up at a few thousand feet and uh, coming back from, had been flying all morning and coming back and I encountered uh, extreme turbulence in a, in a little plane in a light sport aircraft. And I had to resort to my mind because I was fighting with my mind to live. Um, but I knew that uh, as a pilot in command, I was there by myself with my teddy bear, that um, it was a, a micro moment of a decision for me to live or not to live. So I could probably count those four key experiences that have tested my mind, my resiliency, my due diligence to the core. And I was determined, you know, a few weeks ago, I said, there's not going to be any other place that I'm going to land except on that runway 27 like butter. And I did. But I, I really, when I landed, I really needed a hug from someone <laughs> because I knew that what I had survived was uh, pretty intense. And, and I fought with my mind and I landed like butter. And you land all the time, you know, perspective. You zoom in and you zoom out, whether you're doing this when you're flying or whether you're doing this when you're being tested, you always have found a way to triumph through your tests and your adversity. You can choose to, to give up. You can choose to say, I, shit, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't. But doctor, I got exams next week and I'm walking out of here and I'm taking my exams and that attitude. I know you make it sound easy, Jackie, but it's not. And I think you worked really hard at it because a lot of the time we tell ourselves these things. We tell ourselves, we can tell ourselves lies. We can tell ourselves how we can rise. We can tell ourselves truths. And there's a fine balance in between those three. If we tell ourselves lies, we're obviously know where we're gonna end up. If we tell ourselves just half truths, we don't have that confidence to, to move forward but you choose to tell yourself, I can do this, I can triumph. And in the process of being that positive, you triumph. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you say there's been four times, but I, I dare to say that maybe you have this attitude every single day, you choose to triumph, right? And you've made a lot of decisions. You, you know, with the success that you've had, you could have chosen to say, look, I, I came from Mexico. I, I, I did it. I learned English. I'm a go, you know, I, I've accomplished something. I, I, I'm a, you know, I, I'm a success. I can do this for me and enjoy it. But you've turned around and you said, no, I need to do this for others. I need to serve. And you've come up with the, you know, this uh, company called the Fake Factor Foundation. Foundation is a non-for-profit dedicated to giving vision, direction, and structure to young Latinas. We know the personal story because it resonates with so many of us. But why did you choose to give back rather than to just celebrate your own success? Yeah, and you know what? And that is actually a nonprofit organization. That's uh, the one that I was referring to earlier where we help and empower young Latinas along with this amazing lineup of our board members and mentors and volunteers that have been, you know, opening up their heart to support these young ladies. Um, and it's such a fulfilling mission. It really is. Um, and uh, I think that, like I said, with every entity, you know, because I, you know, what has 
allowed me to prove myself as, um, as I guess, as a leader in the business world has been uh, my marketing agency that I launched when I was 23, 14 years ago with a dream. I just wanted to serve businesses. You know, I wanted to give my creative ideas and, 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 and add value as much as I could. And then that led to, you know, publishing my first book after surviving, you know, cancer when I was 23. I published my first book at 26. And that opened up a whole nother world to authorship. And now since I gave you the bio, I have published now 20 books instead of 16. Oh. <laughs> so I just got the 20th book today in the mail. Amazing. And it never gets sold. It's so beautiful because every book is a way to connect with people, right? So all those things are sort of like, again, fusion and then come back to the center. Some of them are made specifically to impact other people and elevate them. Because I always think, you know, success for me, now that I've gotten a little taste of it, you know, in, in my world is, you know, profit and impact. And anytime that you can do that, I mean, I could never work for money or egos. I work for dreams. And because I do that, then all the abundance, you know, the profits and everything comes, you know, from all these divine downloads that flow and I manifest. Um, but then I'm also making an impact every single day with the creative ideas that we put out there, with the people that we bring into the fold, with, you know, the 575 teddy bears that I've given out just because somebody gave me a teddy bear for my first solo flight. And now I've taken it into a thing to empower other people and say, hey, here's your companion. You know, you're not alone. And I always fly with my little Amelia. And um, so it's, it's how we package things, how we choose to, like you said, every day, you know, it's like a decision every day. You don't have to go through a fire or a cancer or a turbulence, you know, to say, I'm going to now activate that part of me. Every day we have that choice. And, and that's what we do. And we bring the best of us to every touch point, to every interaction, to every encounter with other people. And that's, that's a way to serve. That's a way to elevate other people. And you do elevate people. And, you know, I've had an interview recently with um, another person so similar to your name is Ashaba. And uh, she is also a pilot. She's out of Uganda. And you'll get to see her podcast, uh, the interview with her uh, next week. Um, but we were talking about role models and we're, you know, it's amazing that she's a pilot, you're a pilot. And again, I'm going to come to that in a moment, but I keep thinking about role models. I keep thinking about the inspiration that you are for others. And one of the things that Ashiba was saying is, you know, people say to her, who was your role model? And people expect her, she's black. And so people expect for her to say, Oprah, uh, Michelle Obama, right? And she's like, no, when I walk into those villages where there are barefoot young girls who never been outside of the countryside in Uganda, they maybe don't know who Oprah or Michelle Obama are, but they see me, this person who looks like them, lived like them, has gone through their story, and I can be their role model. And when I think about you and your story and how you've come from one country and transplanted yourself to another, learned the language, uh, fought your way up, elevated yourself, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and in a moment, we'll see how you've done that also by flying, but you've done that. And while there's a lot of influencers out there, right? And for young Latinas, they can look to, you know, various people in Hollywood or various people on Instagram or whatever, but they can look to a true authentic leader like you and say, she lived like me. She struggled, 
-hmm. and she has risen. Mm -hmm. And now I can rise as well. I can be elevated. I can choose to elevate myself. And if she did it, I can do it. You're more immediate to those young women that you empower than somebody who's gained fame, you know, on Instagram or, uh, you know, in Hollywood. They, you know, those people don't seem as real and tangible to us, but you do. Another reality is how you actually get in that plane. And I want to know the story here. I want to know about the bear. I want to know about your flight and what inspired you to become a pilot. Wow. Um... I think, you know, all the magic begins with either an experience or a conversation. And uh, my husband and I were going to a hot air balloon show and we saw a little tiny plane and we first thought it was kind of like a toy plane, you know, like a mock plate or something and realized that uh, the FAA here in the States had introduced a new type of license in response to the declining population of pilots in 2004. And the idea of this is that they introduced the light sport aircraft, you know, through different manufacturers because the license was created by the FAA. So it allowed people that, you know, didn't come from the military, didn't come from the commercial space to go into a general aviation. So uh, my husband and I took a discovery flight and with no doors on the plane, it was amazing. I immediately fell in love with it, but you know, the very big difference, right, between falling in love with something and then deciding to do one of the hardest things in your life, which is to me is becoming a licensed pilot here in the United States. But um, the, I think the moment that, you know, everything sort of happened was when I was invited to be the speaker at an island that houses 300 soldiers. And it was the next state over, Iowa. And um, I had an event for my seventh book and I knew that I couldn't make it. And by that point, I was also doing the marketing for the flight school. So I called them up and I said, I need a ride to this island to do this keynote, you know, this book signing and uh, flew me there. It was the most amazing experience. And I flew back, um, you know, I got in my little sports car and I made it to my event, my second event, just on time. The U.S. Army gave me a coin of excellence. I got a standing ovation by 300 soldiers in uniform and did a book signing interviews. I mean, it was like an experience like from a movie, right? And um, I was very curious. I started finding out and realizing that there were so many airports everywhere where people like you and I would pick up a plane, go fly for lunch and breakfast and dinner, sunsets. And just like, that was like a thing, like a lifestyle. And I kind of let it at that. And then one day I just, I call them divine downloads because I live in a world of ideas. But when I get an idea with an amazing feeling in my heart, there's no turning back. It's like. Take it's off. Like, yes. And it's like <laughs> tears come down. I'm like, I never dreamed about being a pilot. I never thought about it. I never, nothing. I was just driving in my car after having those experiences. Driving my car and I'm like. I'm going to be a pilot. I mean, it was like that. And you know, that same thing happened when I decided to start the foundation. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And six years later, the same thing with my publishing house, the same thing with things that have completely changed the course of my existence have all come from a divine download that I surrendered to, that I said, I am going to 
follow and I'm going to embrace it with all my heart. And then I'm going to figure out how to make this happen. So those moments in my training where I doubted, where I didn't know what I was going to do, I always went back to the genesis of that divine download and it never let me, you know, escape 80% of the people that begin general aviation training to get their license as a hobby stop for they get either scared, money, finances, whatever, right? But I never gave up because it came from a divine download. And now that I have my license, I'm actually a couple steps away from getting my next license that allows me to fly bigger and faster airplanes. And, um, you know, and I'm doing a lot of things with aviation with, you know, Latinas in Aviation, my new book that features 22 women Latinas around the world that are aeronautical engineers, captains, air, you know, you name it. And then also scholarship, um, $5,000 scholarship to help young ladies, young Latinas in the aerospace and aviation industries and donating all the proceeds of that book to this scholarship and, um, and also becoming a young Eagles pilot, which means that I can, through the Experimental Aircraft Association, I can fly young people, seven to 17 years old uh, as a pilot and you know, give them a, a teddy bear, autograph their little logbook, and um, and just really see their reaction of, uh, to aviation. So it swept me off my feet. Was not in the plans, was not planned, was not, you know, strategically. It just came to my heart, and I did all the work, and, and God knows it's a lot of work to be a licensed pilot. And, um, and here I am as a pilotina. <laughs> you know, pilotina. you really get a new description to... Um, not only being swept off your feet, but the sky is the limit, right? You know, you don't know any limit. The, the sky is open and you've gone with it. And I love the way you talk about how it is a divine download because you're so empowered, but you derive your power of some, something bigger and more grand than you. And, you know, I, I won't go deeper into that, but that spirituality I believe is so fundamental to who you are. And it, it, you know, I talk, I call this the unfiltered podcast because it's about having no filters. It's about not having to put on any masks. It's about being authentic. It's about being able to serve and recognizing that service is connected to something greater and bigger and, and bigger than us, whatever you decide to call it, you want to call it God, mother nature, the universe. It's, it's a bigger force. And I, think when we recognize this bigger entity, bigger impact in our lives, bigger force that propels us to go from place to place, this is how it allows us to serve others. This is what allows us to recognize it's not the journey is rarely if ever about us. It's about others and where we can take them. And you've done that. And this is where, at, you know, it's at the point of the interview where I ask the dear guest, what thing could you share with us an unfiltered thought of the week what thing could you share to help the listener become a better version of themselves a better human being a, a better individual a better leader but i'm gonna put a twist to it because you're so inspirationally gifted with your ability to just move forward and not stop i'm gonna ask your question a bit different jackie i'm gonna say to you where do you draw your inspiration from? And what can you tell others with your unfiltered message of the week to help others draw from the same fount of inspiration that you draw from? Gratitude. 
you know, to me, gratitude is the greatest accelerator to achieve all of your dreams. And gratitude in everything that you do, gratitude through your actions, gratitude through, you know, the people that help you extend your wings, gratitude to be brave enough to stop and smell the roses and be grateful for the journey that you've had, gratitude in the craziest adversity so that you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, gratitude as you extend your soul, like my German teacher used to say, writing is an extension of your soul. And I figured, you know, that was so beautiful, extending your gratitude through writing and your soul through writing. Um, and to me is gratitude. If we live in gratitude, then joy permeates every part of your being. And, and then through that joy, you create this fountain of never ending energy, like a well that you carve. And the more that you carve, the more abundance that comes out. And an interesting fact is that, you know, I have people that have met me like, you know, for 15, 20 years in my career. And one time I had this lady that came out to me and said, you know, I don't remember your name, but I do remember that beautiful energy from 15 years ago. And to me, that stems from gratitude to God, to the universe, to the people that have believed in me since day one, starting with my mother, continuing with my husband and all the amazing people. It's gratitude allows you to forever extend your wings. And, and that's what I do. And I think it's gratitude. That's the answer. And I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to interview you to listen to your story of inspiration, truly uplifting. And blessings to you. Keep inspiring others. Please keep empowering the young Latinas you're working with. And be that pilot that takes people from their test and their adversity to their triumph, because you're a testament to that in everything that you've done. And Thank you. And I'll leave you with this amazing quote. Taking off is optional. Landing on your dreams is mandatory. Thank Love you it. so much. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Thank you for listening to Unfiltered, the show about authentic leadership and personal growth. Like what you heard? Click subscribe, share it, and tell a friend about it. And don't forget to leave a rating.